The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Oh, Skype isn't working. Welcome to Port Fan Radio. This is Rick Newenhoven and I'm here on behalf of the Port Fan Radio Network, sponsored by New Vision, and this is the two hours of power um, Big Footy Port podcast. Um, tonight I'm joined by Cameron. How are you, Cameron? Good, thanks, Rick. Good to be here again. Great. And I'm also uh, trying to type and work out... Um, uh, Skype difficulties with our with our main man and the supposed host Bevan. Maybe that's just his excuse <laughs> to get out of it. Cameron, what do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, he's he's messaging, mate. Look, I've got no problem with Skype. I don't know what's going on with Bevan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- Any I think, excuse? I think he's at the pub drinking beer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hello. Maybe yeah, phone line is breaking up. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. So just everyone bear with me while, uh, while I'm trying to work out the tech difficulties for, with Bevan so uh, he can take over. So how are you, Cameron? Good, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'll tell you what, um, much happier now that we've, we've gotten that win out of the way, uh, particularly after the terrible week we'd had uh, last week. Um, obviously, with with everything going on with Sam Palpepper, with uh, Lindsay Thomas, uh, the loss to Geelong, Hartlett's injury, but probably just as most importantly, uh, with what happened with Todd Marshall, you just you, you think, geez, where's it all going? Well, I think even uh, Ken said that. Well, we felt like we were being attacked by all angles last week. It was, it was crazy. It was, and you know, even uh, for the, you know, obviously the the, the SNFL supporters got uh, were, were a little bit had their noses put out of joint because Sam Pell Pepper was playing, and you know, I mean, it, it wasn't even our fault. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a very difficult week, and I think uh, from the club's point of view, and it was great to. To finally get home, to finally come home with a win, because I tell you what, I don't know. It, it, yeah. To face the next week after a loss to North Melbourne. All right, Bevan might be in. Let's uh, let's have. Hello, a can, can you guys hear me? Oh, Bevan, how are you going, mate? Hello, can you guys hear me? We can. I can hear you. Can you? We hear can him? hear you. I can hear him. Good work. All good. Yeah, Bevan. It's it's nice of the the host of the first hour of the show to come and join us. Oh, sorry guys, Blake Scott was playing up. That's okay. So we've started <laughs> the show, and um, but we've just we've just been doing a, a little bit of small talk, talking about how um, Port was bombarded from all angles last week, and it was crazy. As a, I'm sure, as a club, it was crazy. As a supporter, it was very frustrating. Yeah, just as much as um, me not being able to get to Skype right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're right, guys. It was a, definitely a tough week last week, and, and the guys definitely stood up on Saturday and showed their true character. And I think Boki just signed up how much uh, – sorry, just, um, you know, his love for the club and 
and how good a club it is, the way they responded. And, yeah, I think that was just fantastic. He played a great captain's game and everyone just lifted for, for Toddy and SPP and, and Hammer. Great. Hey, yeah. well, you're the host of the show with Cameron, so I'll let you take over with your run sheet and I'll I'll, I'll see you guys in at 7.55 and, and I'll take over. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Ricky. Yes, uh, good great. evening. Welcome to Big Footy Tower Podcast. You're here with Bevo and we've got Cameron as well on the line. Do apologise for a bit of a rough start there. I was having a few problems with Skype. You've got to love technology, don't you, Ken? Oh, mate. Uh, but you've you've come through beautifully. I think that the big concern was that maybe you were still uh, celebrating after the win from Saturday. We thought you might have been at the pub or something, just looking for an excuse to get out of it. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely had a couple of frothies on Saturday to celebrate one of our best wins in a, in a long time, I think. Um, I, I said it a couple of weeks ago that our win against Sydney was, you know, a great win. But I think considering, yeah, we were without Paddy, without SPP, without Toddy, without Hannah, um, you know, our backs against the wall, all, everyone was against us. I think that was one of our greatest wins as a club for a very long time. What was your thoughts, Cam? Look, we were just talking about it then, uh, Ricky and myself, and how, yeah, look, with everything that happened, Sam Pepper and, uh, you know, <laughs> Hamish Hartlett right at the end of footy training and, and these sort of things, Lindsay Thomas. Look, you're just thinking, how much worse does it get? Obviously, Todd Marshall, the absolute worst thing possible. And yeah. uh, it, it just felt like things were bottoming out. But uh, to get the win, I mean, for me, firstly, I just felt a relief, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And to win by 33 points as well against a side that had been playing really good footy and, you know, were in fourth position on the ladder. They had a great win against the Hawks but also been playing some good footy this year. I think it was just was terrific. And it was just great to see everyone sort of playing their part. You know, we saw Polly having 34 disposals and taking his, you know, his, oh. probably in the best form of his career at the moment. We saw Sammy Gray... He keeps getting better and better with, you know, 19 disposals and four goals. Westy, back to his best of 25 disposals and, and eight marks. And, you know, probably he's felt a little bit down the last couple of weeks because he's having to sort of play that ruck role and help out Charlie. But Charlie played ruck the whole game. That just worked out to be perfect, didn't it? Well, it was – now, I'll, I'll confess, I didn't actually watch the game at all. <laughs> um, no, look, unfortunately, at the same time, well, for what, for starters, it wasn't on um, live over here in Perth anyway. But, I mean, I, I can watch it through Foxtel, but my son was also playing at the same time. So while I was the runner for his team, I was also uh, keeping score for him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, and I, I can tell you, I had the phone with me uh, throughout the game uh, just just to keep an eye on the scores. So, but what I did do I, right at the end, I actually got to have a proper look at the stats, and I thought, oh yeah, Goldstein, reasonable game. And then I looked, all right, who got the hitouts for us? Charlie, what a great effort! So um, yeah, that was 24. that was really good. Yeah, that I mean, yeah. and then he, he managed to uh, he managed to come up with uh, with a goal at the end as well, from what I saw. Yes, no, he's spot on. He was, he was fantastic, Charlie. And, you know, up against two, you know, good ruckman in Majak Dor, who's just the biggest unit I've, I've ever seen yep. when it comes to AFL footy. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Goldstein as well, who's not you know, as good as what he used to be, but is still a quality ruckman. So, yeah, it was definitely a great effort. And it was just some of the other boys as well. We saw Tommy Jonas doing a great job on Ben Brown. Brown kicked four yep. goals, but. 
I yep. think um, a couple of those goals were from easy free kicks and two goals as well at the end, you know, in junk time. Other than that, yep. Tommy definitely lowered his colours. And then also had Howard and Homsley just helping out as well down back. And yeah. Sort of double teaming the ground and helping out Tommy Jonas. And that was just great as well. And, you know, we had Bokey and Ebert and Wines, you know, contributing as well, playing good games. And, yeah, everyone sort of played their part. It was just a really good win, Cam. And, I look. I, I I would love to if I could if I could get uh, get a replay at the right time because all I'm thinking is, oh geez, I'm going to be on uh, Monday night. I better see some of this game. All I've managed to see <laughs> is highlights, and, and I can tell you though, the, the bulk of the highlights I've seen have been uh, Sam Gray. So his game yeah. was, uh, and look, he's he's gone quite well recently. I know that <clears throat> you know. Start of the season, you sort of look at it and you think, okay, Sam Gray's going to make his way into the 22. You know, he'll be in. He'll be, he might even be out a few times. But he's really uh, he's really come up well in a couple of games this year. And he's... He, yeah, it's, it's he's really is, just gets getting better and better every week. And you know, he re-signed for a couple more years, which is great for the power. And I think that sort of gives him that extra confidence to know that because I, I think at first, and I'm sure he'll admit this as well, that he sort of felt like he was on the outer and, you know, a real fringe player, and he just wasn't sort of playing yes. to his full ability. And as he's got, you know, better and better, he's starting to realise that he actually can play the game. He's a damn good player, and he's starting to play his role really well. Like, he knows he's a good small forward that contributes as well, gets a fair bit of the footy. Um, and, yeah, you know, Ken loves him and the players get around him and yeah. he's definitely one of, become one of our most important players and it's really good to see Ken, especially being a, you know, a real traditional Maggie's boy coming from the Maggie system and, yeah, it's just awesome yeah. to see Sammy Gray going so well. <laughs> it's it, it's it, but, but it's interesting you say that too. I think um, Ken in particular has showed the most faith in him and that what, what I really love about that is it's it's paying off. Um, with Sam, so I, I did want to ask you though. Uh, now you you watched the game, and I, I don't know to what um, what extent or what level or how closely you managed to to see. But from early on in the game, I did notice that Westoff's game was was going very strong. Now, what was there anything in particular you noticed with Westoff uh, where they were playing him, where he was like, were they were they using him around the ground a lot, or was there anything in particular yeah. you noticed? What, what were your thoughts? Well, yeah, as I mentioned before, he'd sort of been racking the last sort of few weeks since Paddy yeah. went down and, and hadn't been sort of playing at his best. But on, on Saturday, he was back to his sort of real floating role down back and also on the wing and, you know, kicking a couple of goals or contributing to a couple of goals as well. And I think he kicked one himself and, and completely shaped one, which we won't talk about. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. For Westy, you know, you always see the best of him and the worst of him, don't you, in some games? So, yeah. Um, but no, he's, <laughs> yes. he's another one who just, you know, he's in his 30s now, but he just keeps getting better and better with age. And, and I reckon the way he's going, he can still play for at least a couple more years. And he's just so important to our team because, like, like I mentioned before, he, not only he can sort of help in the ruck, but he also can, can be a swingman as well and, and help out in defence and, and play that session on the wing. And he's so hard to stop because he's so tall and takes such a good mark as well. He's just fantastic. And in that sense, pressure. I think he was yeah, just playing that real... That real floating position, you know, Kenny had him down back when when necessary to help out the backman down there, and then also on a wing as well. So it was sort of all over the place as, as Westy plays his best footy. Yeah, yeah, I, you're right. He, he's he's got a he seems to have a massive tank and and 
they're just, it's difficult to see an end to his career. Yeah, that's right. I think he'll definitely have at least a couple more years in him anyway. And Cam, you want to say something tonight as well. You've got some interesting thoughts, um, something you've been doing a bit of research about. Tell us more about that, mate. Oh, look, I, I was going to, look, I'll say a few things around um, when, when we talk a little bit more about the the, the Magpies um, or, or about the SNFL, but, but um, yeah, is, is that what you're referring to or? Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, your, yeah, your thoughts. Okay. On, All right. Yeah. On, on the, with the Magpies? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, mate. I, <laughs> I was just, I was, Partly, I was uh, I was reading I was reading some comments, but um, yeah, no. Look, th- thanks for asking. Look, I think one of the one of the things, or, or one of the ideas with this particular part of the with the the first hour on the Monday, we you know we get a bit of an opportunity. I know Rick will talk to a lot of people, particularly about the power and about the AFL, and and we get a good opportunity. We can talk a bit about the Magpies as well. And the SANFL, and and I've I've been watching some SANFL. Uh, I managed to get myself a digital pass, which is great. Yeah. And it's it's good to be good to be back on board. But yeah, there is something that I feel fairly strongly about um, that that I've actually, with, with regards to the the SANFL and and with the Magpies, that I've I've really wanted to get off my chest, and I I, I wanted to sort of say this to to set the scene as to. You know how I feel about our club and and how um, how how proud we need to be and, and how important we are to South Australia and South Australian football. Um, now, this is what I'm going to say is predominantly addressed to the other eight, that is the other eight SNFL clubs. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to say it amongst friends. Okay, so uh, to start with, but but I think it's something that that we all sort of. I mean, you you're you're a, you, you grew up a Magpies man, didn't you, Bevan? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, as I mentioned to the boys last week, to Rick and Phil, yep. I've sort of always grew up being a Magpies man. You know, idolising Scotty Hodges and and loving the Magpies, yes. and and then yeah, still follow them now. Of course, uh, not as closely as as I used to, but you know, it's still no. still love them and. And obviously the powers that you know number one team now. So, um, but yeah, yes. it's great to see. It's, it was great to see them playing up in the grand final last year. And as every Maggie supporter was, I very devastated that we went down by, you know, a couple of points to start. Oh. But um, yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely in the same boat as you. I've always been a big Maggie's fan. And 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 you still, I mean, you you still hold a lot of respect for the uh, the the Maggie or yeah. You know, the SANFL competition as much as, you know, being a Maggie supporter, um, you still feel very strongly about us, you know, doing well and, and winning and, and going out and giving everything, don't you? Yeah, most definitely. And and I guess, um, yeah, I'll let you sort of have your thoughts on it, but I guess I'm about I to. want to sort of have my say in terms of, you know, what I yeah. think about the AFL going forward. And, and I mean, it may, may or may not happen by idea, but... Anyway, um, I'll let no. you say what you want to say, Cam. Yes. Okay. Well, well, this this is my thing. So, look, when I hear no AFL in the SANFL, and I think SANFL supporters need to understand the importance of having AFL sides in the competition. Both the Crows and Port Adelaide need to be there for the competition to survive, but obviously my focus is on the Magpies. Now... We are Port Adelaide, one club. 
Now, I can appreciate the hate that we get from the other eight. We used to constantly beat them through history and they knew it. There now seems to be a new type of small-minded hate from many, which does typify why we are relevant on a national level and they aren't. When the, ma- when the Magpies win, it seems we have an unfair advantage. When we lose, it's because we, aren't, or we weren't trying or we're compromising the integrity of the competition. You've, oh. you've heard, heard some of this before, Bevan. Well, yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. That's, that's the thing. Now, what supporters of the other eight need to realise is that without AFL and the SNFL, the competition is nothing. And for a player to come up against an AFL opponent, it's going to be a big deal, and he's going to lift. He will want to come off and say, I beat a professional AFL opponent. It also gives young blokes hope in that I'm going to go and have a go in the SANFL and see if I can get noticed. I'm going up against the best, and I'm going to try and beat the best. This is what keeps the the quality growing, because there's a level of motivation that's automatically expected to be part of... or automatically expected to being part of an SANFL side. How good did Sturt have to be to beat Port in a grand final? And even last week, yeah, look, even last week on Anzac Day, um, to, they had to be at their best, and they knew they had to be at their best. Now, Jared Schofield, we, we all know Sco, he's a premiership player for Port. Yeah. He is an AFL quality coach, and he could have comfortably stepped into the AFL system any time in the last few years. Now, he's currently coaching Subiaco. They lost their last two premierships to Peel, who were the Frio reserves. He was determined not to leave Subiaco on a losing note. He's not small-minded. He's not bitching that it's unfair. He's created an unbeatable waffle side who are so far ahead right now. You you should have a look at the ladder and and look at their percentage. Now, we, we provide... I've probably got about another minute to go. <laughs> we, we no, no, provide... no, no, right. <laughs> this is from the heart, mate. We provide yep. interest. We provide interest in the competition. Yes, Channel Seven show more games with Port and the Crows, and that's because people are interested. And I know for a fact that people in other states watch because I'm one of them. And when they play against one of the other eight, their sponsors, their sponsors and players get seen on TV. They would not, Channel 7 would not be there if the AFL sides weren't there, and so neither would your exposure, other eight. And we know what ramifications that would have. It's no coincidence that grand final crowds are the biggest when Port are involved, and I think the SANFL and Channel 7 really enjoy that. Now, because Port applied to join the competition, the Crows were formed. Eventually, we were successful in getting into the, comp- into the AFL, and so the other eight got to keep their players in SA. The AFL was getting bigger and more powerful with the ability to lure anyone. It doesn't take a Rhodes Scholar to see that by 1990, the gap was widening and the SANFL was losing its grip on the widening of that gap. Now, if you're an SANFL supporter who is still bitter about the so-called treachery of 1990, think of this. We have around 60,000 members, operating revenue of nearly 58 million, and we are one of the leading football clubs in Australia. 
when it comes to community programs, including domestic violence education, Aboriginal football and general football develop or football development in general, which other clubs, including the SANFL clubs, benefit from. We also have an agreement to provide nearly $7 million to the SANFL over 15 years. So to those SANFL supporters who are bitter, what has your club done? I don't say this with any intention of getting anyone from the other eight to like Port Adelaide or to admit that they respect us. But I would like them to open their small minds, leave their suburban club bubbles and at least get some understanding of the modern football world. This isn't the early 80s. And if they don't want arguably the second best competition in Australia to turn into an irrelevant local suburban league, then they need to be careful when they wish for when what they wish for when they say no AFL in the SANFL. Yeah, and that's yeah. it, Bevan. No, that's from the heart, mate. Obviously written out from the heart. A few weeks ago when there was that sort of speculation about there being a national reserves competition that being the end of the, the poor magpies in the SANFL. Yep. It was funny because you would see these bozos from the clowns at Westlake saying that, oh, that's great, no more magpies, you know, the SNFL is going to be great. But yep. like you just said before, they don't realise that we still that Port Port Right, Port, you know, um, Port Norwood rivalry and the Port Central's rivalry and the Port Glenelg rivalry with no magpies, it, it, that wouldn't be happening. And, you know, let's be honest, if it was, say, we saw a few years ago when the Eagles played against Sturt in the grand final. There was maybe twenty or 30,000. Last year we saw a Port and Sturt in the grand final. There was yep. over 40,000. It just proves... Unbelievable. Like, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, exactly. And it just goes to show that, you know, if there's no Magpies in the SANFL, the SANFL would be dead. And I'm sorry, yep. but the Adelaide Crows reserves competition, like, you know, that doesn't matter about Sorry. the Adelaide yep. Crows because no one cares. I've got friends yep. that bag for Nord and Central and the Crows, you know, in the AFL. They bag for Nord and Central when they play against the Crows. They don't care about yep. the Crows' SNFL team. If the Crows, yes. I'll tell you what, if the Crows made the grand final in the SNFL and they played against the Eagles, you'd be lucky to get 20,000 people there. So, <laughs> you're absolutely spot on, And, yeah, like... You're so right, is, mate. This this is my this is my opinion, right? If if they decide that they want to make one national competition and they want to have Port and the Crows um, reserves playing in a national competition, so in other words, um, take them out of the SNFL. I don't see why we can't still have the Port Magpies in the SNFL. Stephen Summerton can play. We can get Tommy Gray and the, yep. all these other guys, Corey Beard, all these other guys from other clubs, Johnny Butcher, back to Port Adelaide and have the, ori- yep. the original Port Magpies still in the SNFL and then still have the Port Power Reserves and the Port Power AFL team in yep. the National Reserves competition. So effectively, three teams um, and, still, and the Magpies are still in the SNFL. I still I, I could see this happening, and I don't understand why. If, if they want to make a National Reserves competition, then why can't we still have the Magpies? Oh, look, uh, exactly. Uh, look, uh, my uh, as far as I see it, look, I, I know it would be, look, maybe from the club's point of view, if, if they didn't want to have a Magpies in, then, you know, because it's too much to manage, well, then so be it. But but this is the thing. When I hear SNFL people, 
go on about, you know, Port Adelaide this. You know, I, I, I love the fact that they hate us for, for, you know, our premierships and all that type of thing. But when they say we contribute nothing and we do nothing and we take, take, take and we, we reduce the integrity of the competition, it is exactly the opposite. And 100%. that's what I that's what I just you know, I see the the small minded I, I get quite frustrated over it and um yeah, it does concern me. But um hey look, we we know who we are, we know our identity and we're one club and, and we love it. And Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, look have you have you seen much SNFL this year, uh, so far, Bevan? Yeah, I've been watching, watching bits and pieces of it. So, um, yeah, like, I'm, I'm sort of generally, obviously, I've got to follow the power of the Magpies, but you know, I wanted to yep. get to those games this year. I've sort of over yep. last week, but it's my intention is to get to see the Magpies games this year. But from what I've sort of seen, um, I think our season so far has been, I'll give them probably a, a B plus. It's, we're sitting in fifth position, but, you know, we had that yep. draw again. The Eagles, which we should have won. We had a great <laughs> win against the Bays in the first round. And then we had a disappointing loss uh, last week against Stewart. And then we smashed the Adelaide Coast. So we've had an okay start to the season, but I feel as though we've got a lot of improvement ahead of us. And I suppose, you know, we've got new players in the team. We've got the new coach in May Lockin, and they're still trying to get used to his game plan versus Chad Horns last year. So I still think we'll definitely be playing finals this year, and we could play in the grand final again this year. But uh, it, obviously, a lot depends on injuries and depth and, and that sort of thing. And you know, yeah. as you know, last year we had a pretty good run with injury, and 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 we had the, the Maggies team playing off in the grand final because of it. So let's hope we can do the same thing again this year. But it's been good to see, you know, some guys like um, Jack Tringove, who's a star from Melbourne. A lot of people forgot about him because he was a you know top three draft pick. So he can definitely play a bit. He's had his fair share of injuries. He's one guy who. Regardless of whether he plays in the SNFL or the in the AFL, he's definitely be a, a solid contributor. I'd love to see him getting a couple of games for the power, but it's going to be hard to see him get into that midfield. But it was really good to see him play against his old side and have a really good game last week with 36 disposals and two goals against Sturt. And so, you know, we saw SPP have 26 and six tackles against Sturt and, and Rocky had 31 and Peter had 24. So good to see some of our AFL boys having some good games there against the, the Double Blues. And, and Young Gun, Kane Farrell, hit three for us as well, which is great to show that some of our young guys are, are making a contribution on the scoreboard as well, Cam. What's your thoughts on the season so far? Yeah, look, and we'll get, I'll go into some of the individual players uh, in, in a little bit. But, um, look, I've got my SNFL digital pass, um, which, yep. which is good. Obviously, Port, I don't, Port aren't uh, directly associated with it, so I've just got to get it as a non-member, which is fine. Um, now, what I've actually what I've noticed with the side is that the game plan seems to be quite similar to the AFL game plan, and so there's a lot of the the sort of the, the kicking around and then trying to clear out of the back line, uh, play on it or cost through the middle, and then then try and get it up to the forward line. Now, it it became a real problem against Sturt. Uh, because of the the smaller, they, they were quite closed in at Unley there, and so with the smaller ground, if, if you notice in the stats, Port had considerably more handballs, and, and that was obviously on account of that that particular part of the game plan. I I, I felt now 
the problem is on a small ground like that, you can't do, you can't get away with the second, third, fourth handball as easily as you can on the bigger AFL grounds. And that's where we became, yeah, that's where we became a little bit unstuck. Now, also in this, in it wasn't really until the second quarter or partway through the second quarter that um, things started to change a little bit with the players. So initially, and, and especially the start of the second quarter, um, the the players the port players were quite unaccountable. Uh, Sturt players were were everywhere. There was no pressure on the person who had the ball. Um, they were leading quite easily. And like I said, we were turning the ball over with that you know that that next handball. But then partway through that second quarter, it turned around a bit where the players actually started to man up again. And although they were still, there was still a bit of this short kicking out of the back line and handball through the middle, they started to get it together a bit more as, as it seemed they got more used to the, the, the smaller ground. Um, watching it against Glenelg too, they, they seemed to do that. They seemed to do it as well against Glenelg and, and they got a bit better with it. But what I, what I am seeing is that, yeah, the, the Magpies are... Obviously, the Magpies players are working on implementing the, the AFL, the, you know, Ken's game plan, uh, which I think is going to be handy. Now, we're going to lose some games because of it. And as simple as that, I think, because, like I say, some of those grounds... I think that the players are going to have to adapt, are going to take some time to adapt a little bit to those smaller grounds at times. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and getting on to, to some of the boys that have been sort of yep. playing well for the, the Navy yeah. so far this year, a couple of young guys that we sort of talked yeah. about off air that we wanted to talk about tonight, and there are a couple of guys yeah. down back. Jared Liner, yep. he was in line for a debut for the Power this year, couldn't quite crack it, but you know, hopefully we might see him debut this year for Port at some stage, especially if you yep. know, Umshi or someone else get injured or out of form. And, and Emmanuel Era is another one from South Adelaide who's been... I guess on our list for a couple of years now, rookie listed and and playing some good footy as well. Can you see all of these boys debuting this year for the power? Look, Lionard, I definitely can now. He seems to really read the ball well as it's coming down back. He gets a lot of the ball. He knows where it's going, uh, and he and he does some reasonably good stuff with it too. Like I said, what what really impresses me is that he just seems to be. Uh, I guess standing up, taking it, and yeah, he really looks like whether he gets a game this year or he gets close. I think um, he, he's he's definitely a player to watch out for. Um, Era as well. Now, it, what a he's really started to impress me. I, you know, there's sort of been some quiet times with him, but I've actually I've noticed with him too. He's doing quite a good job out of out of defence as well, and he's not afraid to take it and have a run. You know, much like say someone like Jasper Pittard, or whatever, he, he just seems a bit more athletic than Pittard. And he, you, you don't seem to be as scared when he's when he takes it and runs with it. But um, <laughs> yeah, they, look, I think these guys are really developing well out of the back line. Now, I think I see Lineit probably ahead of Era. But Ira is just someone who stood out for me and I, and I think has gone quite well. Now, I'll add to that too. So you, you mentioned him just before, Kane Farrell. He was, yes. uh, yeah, he was picked up as a, I think, drafted as a midfielder. I think, you know, predominantly played his footy in the midfield. But he seems to know where the goals are too. So he can, he's obviously just a young bloke, gets a bit of the ball, but he also seems to know where, to, where the goals are. And I think he's going to be really handy 
again, probably not quite yet, but from a development point of view, I'm really looking to see how he goes in the future. So someone who can obviously get the ball, play in the midfield, but also go and, and, and be able to help in the forward line and kick goals too. I just really like the way he does get it in the forward line and uh, and he seems to do something good with it. So I've been pretty happy with... These are probably three guys that, have, that I've just found have stood out to me a little bit. Yeah, it's good signs, Cam, because obviously you want to have guys... You want to have that depth in case of injuries and, and you want to see guys playing well in the SNFL that can just, you know, step in and have a crack at the AFL level. And, and like you mentioned before, that's, I guess, why they play the same game plan. So because of that reason, if guys drop down from the AFL or go up, vice versa, you know, they've got to be playing the same game plan because otherwise it would just be con- too confusing, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. It, it makes so much sense. Um, and, and it did seem quite evident. I, I, I watched... Um, round one against Adelaide, and you sort of see it. But it really, to me, watching it um, from the, the, the elevation of the camera on, on Digital Pass, you, you could really see it. And before I knew, I picked up what they were doing. End of the game, I had a look at the stats and went, oh, yeah, it, it's pretty clear that, that we had more handballs than them. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, mate, and that's mate, Ken, that's Ken Hensley to a T, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. And look, and I thought, well, of course, why wouldn't they? But um, could I talk just a little bit about the rucks as well, Bevan? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. I was actually, about... actually going to mention that because obviously there's been so much talk about, you know, whether yeah. we should have bought in Hayes or, or Laddams um, or, or Billy Franton. Yeah, so what's your thoughts on it, Cam? Yeah, well, look, I think when Ken says we don't have the rucks that are ready to come up to that level, um, I, I now, after watching a few games, um, probably over the last week, two weeks, I tend to believe him, or I tend to go along with what he had to say. Now, but obviously, we, we talk about those three. Now, Frampton is the most mature or potentially the most ready. Now, he does some good work in the air or yeah, in the hit-outs, the clearances, but he can be very easily moved, uh, as in pushed out by a bigger ruckman. Um, I noticed the Sturt ruckman was sort of um, uh, you know, a little bit bigger than him. I, I think coming up against AFL ruckman at the moment, Billy's still got a bit to learn. He's definitely the maturity's coming along. But he's definitely got a lot, to, a lot to learn. You know, probably around using his body, etc. Hayes is going to be great because he's he's really tall. So, you know, the yeah. the, the guy's about you know, seven foot ten or something, but um, really <laughs> tall. And it's going to be great to see him come along. That height when he eventually does mature is is going to be invaluable. And we we, we got to remember the, these guys, Ruckman, come and take a long time. And I mean, even Brendan Laid was saying it recently. You know, they've they've sort of they've said to these guys, "Be patient. You're not going to be there yet." Um, and and then there's there's Laddams, who um, yeah, look, I'm still interested to see how he comes along. When I've seen him play, I haven't seen a lot of presence from Laddams just yet. And again, I know Brendan Lade's working on the development of these guys and, and that's fine. But um, yeah, I, I tend to believe Ken when he says they're not quite ready. And I would say of those three, uh, Frampton's probably uh, next in line. Okay. So I guess that brings me to my next question. And we spoke about this last week, Ken. I'm interested in your thoughts. 
Do you think yep. we made a mistake by not getting a, a ready-made Ruckman as a backup? You know, maybe a mature age Ruckman from the SNFL or the Waffle or, you know, like a, a reject player from the AFL um, to back up Paddy Ryder this year? Yeah, it surprises me. Um, you know, I, I did see an article about Zach Clark um, potentially could have been an option. I mean, you know, not a, not a great Ruckman, hasn't sort of done a lot, but, but can be handy if needed. And, um, you know, we, we let Lobby go. And I know they had their reasons, and I, I think that worked out well for everyone. But, yeah, quite surprised that we don't have backup. Um, so, yeah, that was – and now that that uh, that ride has gone down, clearly we've been exposed. Now, okay, fortunately, Charlie stepped up this week. Um, and for, we've, we've managed to get through a few games. But I think uh, – you want a little bit of a level of confidence that you've got a ready-made true ruckman that's there to go. Um, so, uh, now could I just comment on something too? And I uh, thanks Windy Runner for your comment. Um, it's not the tap work; it's the work around the ground. Is, I, I think it, we probably agree with each other there, Windy. Is the the tap work's fine, but yes, the the work around the ground and the use of the body and that is, is still a concern for me with. Um, with the Ruckman that we've got. And that's where I think Frampton still has a, has a bit to go. So yeah. Um, and Windy Run has also said about uh, everyone, but lobby um, can't even make Carlton <laughs> reserves. Yeah. I think you're right. Windy. I, look, I don't actually have a problem with the fact that we got rid of lobby, but a more ready mate, someone more ready made might've been um, just in the wings. Yeah. See, cause the thing is, if we had say a Zach Clark, um, you know, then he could ruck and then Charlie could play his traditional, the traditional deep forward position and, yep. you know, wouldn't be getting crashed and bashed into like he is at the moment. But then again, I suppose last week we saw Ken just proves us wrong because we saw how well Charlie did in the ruck and we played so well against the Roos. So, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe we don't need a, another ruckman. Who knows? But I guess, <laughs> yeah, let's hope um, Paddy's back to his best uh, very soon. They're talking about him playing this week in Western Australia on that hard surface, but then they may not risk him. What would you do this week, Cam? Would you give him another week and get him ready for the showdown? Oh, look, that's a really good point because it's the showdown after now. The the thing is, West Coast... Um, look, where's, this week, so uh, Nat Newey and Lysette, uh have been outstanding for West Coast so far. So even if... if what what they've got, West Coast aren't very one-dimensional in the ruck, meaning that they've got great backup. Now, we haven't, and so that's what worries me the most. Nat Newey is just a, a unbelievably athletic ruckman. Um, the closest we've got to taking him on is Paddy Ryder. So I'd actually really like to see and just hope to see Ryder play this week. Um, well, if, I, he, if he does play, do you think maybe Kenny might just give him a half, perhaps, or something like that? Oh, you, you can't do that. I, I don't think you can bring him in to give him a half. I think he he's either in or he's not. Now, look, obviously, from a look, the the medical team and the coaching team they'll make that call. So I, I'm not saying um, yes, I think he should, or no, he shouldn't. I'm saying we do need a ruckman. And if he's yeah. ready, he should. Um, if not, then we can only go with, with what we've got. And West Coast will, will expose us uh, without a good yes. ruckman. 
this week. Yeah, because I think you're that, right. They've had a million lights that are probably two of the full um, right combinations in the competition at the moment, as you mentioned, Cam. So, and especially, yeah, you know how good Nanui is, and he just jumps all over the place. So, um, yeah, definitely be great to have Ryder and, and Dixon in combination this week. Whether Ryder plays and how much of the game he plays, I guess we'll find out on, on yeah. Saturday. But it promises to be a beauty of a game. In terms of, like, the, the good thing, I suppose, for the power at the moment is that we've got some guys in good form in the SNFL, as I mentioned earlier. We've got Pittard, uh, Rockliffe, and SPP all had pretty solid games against Sturt. Jack Trengove's in really good form with, with 36 and two goals last week against Sturt. So, out of those guys, um, can you see any of them coming into the team? Um, well, SPP will definitely be back in the side, um, which would be great. You know, I really Jack Trengove has been in very good form from what I've seen in the SANFL. Uh, he doesn't stop. He he keeps going, and he's also kicked a couple of goals now. I just wonder if he can... Uh, all right, let's assume Wingard's not going to play this week. Wingard can get the ball. Wingard can kick goals. Wingard also does it with a lot of flair. Now, Trengove is a very... From what I've seen, is a good runner, can get the ball, can kick goals. He just he just doesn't have the flair that, that we, we would be missing with... Um, yeah. With Wingard. So, yeah, look, now, Rockliffe, Rockliffe was quite good uh, in the game against Sturt. But I believe there is some concern around, again, you mentioned it, the, the hard surface. So if that, um, what, what is it, his calf or something that's that's the problem? Yes. Is that, that, yeah. That's right, his calf, yeah. I'd be really worried about that. But also, I've got to say this, um, the... The Eagles and the Dockers and that are saying, no, it's not a factor. So, yeah, so I don't know whether or not this, this hard, surface, hard surface issue is a factor. Now, I'd probably like to see Rockliffe play in the SANFL maybe for another week. He really gained in confidence throughout that game. Started yeah. off slow. Wasn't getting a lot of his own ball initially. He was getting a lot of the, you know, perhaps the second-hand pass. Um, but eventually, really got into his game and, and and seemed to be seemed to be going all right in the clearances. So, I think his confidence would be up. But but maybe another week. Yeah, that wouldn't be wouldn't be a bad thing. Get him ready for the showdown. And and what yeah. about uh, the one that a lot of people love to hate, <laughs> Jasper Pittard? Could you see him sliding back oh. into the team? Look, with with the team that we've got at the moment, not necessarily. But he's ready. Uh, he he looked like he had his Jasper Pittard run and carry. Uh, he, he was reading it quite well in defence. Um, I actually thought his game against Sturt was pretty good. But, um, you know, it, it was a very good SANFL game um, that he played himself. We've, it's very hard to see the cracks in our back line. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, we, we've got Honch there who you could probably say, all right, well, you know... I can't remember how Homps went the other day. I just sort of off the stats, but would would you 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 wouldn't necessarily drop Homps for say Pitta. There's sort of a different type of a defender. Yes, yeah, so, so right. maybe maybe a Houston or Darcy Byrne Jones who yeah. who weren't in the best of form against the Leafs. Yeah, that, that's a thing. But but I'd still be inclined to keep with them for for a little bit longer because you know they they've shown they can. 
I, I think Jasper is good enough to get back in the side, but I think it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, and another one of my favourites um, who's had his fair share of injuries the last couple of years, and that's Matty Broadbent. Could could you see him playing for the power again? Some people have said that he might not ever play, but I still think he's a talent and he still offers a lot to the power. What's your thoughts on him, Ken? <laughs> you know what? I've forgotten about him already. So um, <laughs> I think perhaps no. Um, I I don't know. I love Broadbent and, you know, his ability to, you know, his his long clearance kick and that type of thing. But he's still got to come through the SANFL and then he's got to break into that side that's still a very good side and a very good back line. I struggle to see how Broadbent's going to... And I've sort of thought this since the start of the season. Uh, maybe another side wants... Maybe another side wants a, a good clearance defender. Um, yeah, I guess we have we have got a lot coming through, haven't we? Which is good good sign for the future for the power. Yeah, he he, he look he he's still a, a good enough AFL player, I think, but but probably not now. Side. Yeah, interesting. And how do you see this Saturday twilight game going against the Eagles? Do you think we can bounce back after the, the loss? We don't want to talk about, but we should talk about <laughs> where they beat us after the siren. Do, can you see us um, getting over the moment? They're playing some good footy at the moment, there, Cam. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, look, I'm going to this game, so I'm, I am looking forward to the game. And oh, lucky um, man! <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Look, if you, look, every time I go to the footy, it, it tends to be obviously more, most often over here, and it's amongst Eagles or Dockers supporters, and you've got to sit in the minority. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, can we get over them? Yeah, of course, of course we can. Um, where we where the big difference, and there'll be more talk about this during the week. With uh, you know, Rick will probably say some more tonight, and I know Porsche later in the week and that. But um, where I think they they can really trouble us is particularly through the midfield and the clearances. That our, our our two midfields aren't aren't all that dissimilar. Now, they've got a very good ruck combination that does give them first use of the ball uh, because they're, they're good ruckmen. You know, they're smart. They're not just uh, these ruckmen who just get up and hit it. And, you know, it's not like we're going against Sanderlands or someone like that. The their West Coast midfield is very, uh, is very well drilled. So that's where we're really going to have to be at our best. I've, and... and the other one, I'll tell you who, who, who really excites me in the, the West Coast side is, is McGovern. That guy is absolutely the real deal. Yes, we need, and always plays uh, well against us. <laughs> I know, and look, we really need to make sure we get him away from the play. If the ball is coming in, he has to be somewhere else because that, <laughs> that, is, his, you know, that is his strength. And look, I tell you what, Shuey... If anyone at the ground mentions Shuey or wants to remind me of Shuey, oh, geez, you, you could almost see someone getting dragged out of the ground by the cops. That'll be me. So, <laughs> they might cop so, a Shuey in the face. <laughs> oh, I tell you what. You know, look, some of my friends love to remind me of it. And that that replay is going to be played all week this week in, in Perth, you know, on the news and in their, their, you know, WA footy shows and all that sort of thing. All there, there won't be a show where you don't see that chewy kick. <laughs> no, you, you're probably right. But uh, 
Mate, just maybe Ollie better just talk about what's coming up with Rick. So he'll be he'll be wrapping up all the AFL news and uh, the the rounds of the weekend, of course. What's uh, what's happened and all the all the news around the AFL. He'll also talk about controversial corner. He'll doing some tactics with Janice and of course the big footy questions as well that all all you'd like to get involved in and um, have a bit of a chat to Rick about. But before we go, Cam, we should just pay a tribute to, of course, uh, Todd Marshall's dad who sadly passed away last week um, after losing his mum last year as well. It's just been a, a horrible 12 months yeah. for young Todd. And it's really sad because he's starting to play some really good footy, wasn't he? Oh, it's it's terrible. I mean, you know, some of the, the, the accolades he's already started to get and, and, you know, he's really established himself in our side. Um, it's absolutely devastating. So, yeah, he's, it, his, his career is really coming along. And, you know, look, yeah, not uh, hard to imagine. I'm sure his parents have been a big influence so far. And, um, yeah, to not be able to, you know, no longer share that with them, that's got to be devastating yeah. for the young kid. He just seems like such a ripper guy as well. So, yeah, let's hope that, you know, he can bounce back again and play some really good footy for, for Port soon because he's an absolute star and so important to our side. And really our chances this year of going all the way, I think, we need Todd Marshall in our side going well again. And also, um, you just want to pay tribute to Alan Greer as well, um, who's been a solid contributor to the Port Adelaide Footy Club over the years as well, Cameron. Look, I mean, the guy, he started his, I think he started his career with us in 1949, um, played in a number of premierships. And it, it's guys like this, this is why we are where we are. We, we are not just a, uh, an irrelevant local, you know, people sort of talk about, oh, you know, it's the magpies and the pay, you know, they're different. You know, this was a guy who he's, he was there all the way. He was a magpies man through and through and he became a power man too. And, you know, they're the sort of people that our club owes its its success to and, and where we are now. When I read the, um, when I read the thing about him, I've just gone, these are the sort of people that, that, you know, we owe it to for where we are today and why, why we are, you know, who we are. So that's, um, you know, what, what a great man, what a great life, what, you know, what a great contribution. Yeah, well said. Well, Cameron, it's been an absolute blast to uh, to have a chat to you tonight and, and being yeah, on the Big Footy Power podcast, mate. And again, my apologies about um, having my issues at the start there with Scott. <laughs> Definitely hope that gets sorted for next week. <laughs> i, I got to say, um, too, i, I got to say, great to meet you as well, Bevan. This is the first time we've actually talked. Yes, it is, and it's, a, it's been, been a lot of years, of online. It? Yeah, it's been a lot of online stuff, mate. But this is the first time we've actually talked, so no, good on you, mate. Enjoyed it. <laughs> now listen to this love fest. Come on, guys. <laughs> hey, thanks, Rick. Well, hey, you, mate, you connected us. What's that? You you connected us. Yeah, yeah I did. I'm a, I'm a bit of a matchmaker. That's uh, that's one of my skill sets. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's, the... uh, it's probably not a the good Port sight. sight. I've seen Bevan's picture. I've seen your picture, and I've definitely seen my picture. So <laughs> it might scare a few people. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no. uh, how'd you go? Did you have a good time? Oh, it was, uh, it was oh. great fun. It's great to talk to another fellow, you know, big, passionate Port Power fan like Cameron is, and, and someone that knows footy so well. And yeah, really enjoyed. It. Look forward to speaking again next week. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Great fun. It was, like. it was great fun. I don't know what it was like for the listeners. I'm sure they're still listening as um, the call's still going. But I, I did notice your mic was a little bit in and out, Bevan. So I think, I don't know if you're using yeah. headphone mics. You might just need to uh, speak no, into I'm it. Just, uh, 
yeah, just speak into into the phone if it's through Skype. So okay, oh. yeah, but yeah. no one complained. But, so we'll see if people uh, we'll see if people complain uh, when they're listening to the uh, to the podcast. Yeah, but but, um, but all yeah, good, guys. Maybe. I really appreciate the. Uh, uh, your time you did a great first up show we'll hopefully get you back on next week if you both uh, can fit the uh, the schedule and uh, yeah. yeah all good should be right yeah mate should be right awesome thank you very much and I think I have Thanks Janus lot, Rick. on the line right now hello hey Janus how are you going I'm doing good how are you doing very good mate so did you did you listen to Bevan and Cam Unfortunately, no. I was in. I was in bed. I've got a headache a bit, so I was trying oh. to rest up for this. Jeez, I don't know if the boys. So, are still sorry, on. guys. I'm still on. I was going to say, Janus, be very careful. I can hear. You. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'll, I'll leave you guys to it. Have a great show, guys. See you, Cameron. <laughs> See you, guys. Bye. Cheers. Yep. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Ah, all right, great, Janus. It's good to have you on. Did you have an enjoyable football weekend? Uh, yeah. No, my, my weekend was pretty good. My weekend was pretty good. Port one, which is always good, obviously. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just everything else seemed to go pretty well. But, no, it was good. Yeah, the results were uh, reasonably predictable, weren't they? Yeah, it's getting to that sort of stage now. I think everyone's starting to get to the point where you know what everyone's doing. Do you think that's maybe a bit of a disadvantage with the the modern AFL over the last couple of seasons? The fact that um, uh, the scoreboard, I guess, or the or the fixture board isn't as exciting. I mean, I look through the fixtures now and I think. Yeah, that's pretty predictable. That's pretty predictable. Uh, yeah, there doesn't seem to be that many great games every round at the moment. I think that's a uh, probably a result of what the AFL has been aiming towards. You know, trying to get it so that anyone can beat anyone type thing. So when you get to that sort of level of skills and stuff and dilute the talent talent pool as they've done by introducing the expansion teams, it gets to a stage where it's like, yeah, everyone can be anyone if the other team's off a little bit, but so you got that sort of like, oh, we could win this game. But at the same time, if the other team is on, it's kind of like, yeah, nah, we know who's going to win and who's going to lose. If that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? So there's no real excitement anymore for most games that's why people are like oh i just watch my team and that's it because i don't actually like watching footy anymore because they all play these the same sort of style of game plan pretty much everyone's like playing defensive and all that sort of stuff you know what i mean so yeah but it is what it is yeah well Sam, we're talking about uh the general afl um the results from the weekend were uh, we start with Bulldogs beating Carlton, um, Carlton are a rabble, 80-59. to 59. Uh, Then we had uh, a frustrating result from my end, Sydney toppling Geelong, 69-86, uh, to 86, which could be probably a, a discussion topic shortly about uh, teams following Port seem to be losing, which makes it more frustrating for Port supporters, I guess. Port Adelaide, as we know, defeated North, which we'll talk about. Uh, Giants... Uh, 
accounted for the Lions relatively easily. It wasn't a high-scoring game, however. Hawthorne beat um, St Kilda, pretty much the same. Adelaide uh, dominated the Suns. Uh, here's the other frustrating one. Uh, Essendon were insipid against Melbourne. Once again, they're insipid. Collingwood would, weren't good enough for Richmond. And there was a bit of a blockbuster battle royale over in Perth, breaking in the new stadium with the Eagles just getting over the top of uh, Fremantle. So what was your takeaway from the round? Which games stood out to you? Um, <clears throat> they all pretty much went how I thought they would like I know the whole Sydney Geelong thing was a uh, for most people would be like a arbitrary like a outlier type thing but if you have a look at the history of the Swans how they actually play on Cadinia Park they're pretty much built for that sort of ground anyway because it's it's kind of like they're playing at a similar dimensions to their SCG, like it's a real small ground, you know what I mean? So it mm. plays into their corridor, lock the ball in type, just surge forward type mentality. And they're pretty good at doing that. So if any team, it's pretty much the same way that Port Adelaide will always struggle on Eddie had because of the teams that play against there are usually fast moving teams and stuff because that's just the way it is. Um, Sydney's always going to find it easy to play Geelong at Cadinia Park. Yeah. Well, we've had a bit of chat on the chat field already, saying there's a bit of congestion at the moment on the current current standard of uh, football on why we're even bringing up a competitor, AA and also AFL 360. But uh, Ian uh, said, do we need to reduce the number of players on the field from 18 to 16? Um I'll get your thoughts on that one in a sec. I'm not sure that's going to solve the problem because they'll just still cluster the ball. And Windy Runner, um, make players reverse revert back to starting positions after a goal. Um, yeah, that would work for a, a short term. And then they would run back and flood the ball. I think, I think coaches do bring um, players back sort of to a starting position. We might have an extra defender or two, but... You know, at a centre bounce, they usually um, they usually do at least put some people one kick in front of the ball in case you do win the clearance. And I guess that's the good thing about a stoppage; it allows teams to maybe break down that zone and have uh, have players either side of a stoppage compared to general play, which is where the players seem to all flood and and get back behind the ball and and create that zone tight. What's your What's your thoughts there, mate? Yeah, well, you know how in coverage and stuff, sometimes you'll see at a centre bounce, players will actually, you see them counting. And they're basically, what they're trying to do is count where the extra man is in the field. So, you know, they'll go, oh yeah, there's five people in this area, so therefore there must be somewhere else. We're going to play this particular style. You know, we're going we're gonna to win the ball in this particular thing. But I think... The introduction of the, well, not the introduction, the removal of the third man up was a good step. It was a step in the right direction in terms of uh, reducing the, the ability to congest and stuff because now the rucks, a dominant ruck is going to be able to clear. And you saw against um, in the West Coast Fremantle game, Sanderlands at one particular point just thumped the ball probably like 30 metres away 
just to clear it out of wherever the congestion was. Mm. But in terms of in terms of solving the problem, I don't think you can. I really don't. And I, the whole idea of, I don't think the reduction in interchange actually helped. I think that actually hurt in terms of making it a more congested game. Simply because as soon as they reduced interchanges, all the coaches did was train the players to stay on the ground for longer. Yeah. And they and and but you've also got the fatigue, so no one can spread away from a stoppage or anything like that. So it's like we're not actually. <clears throat> they basically took away what was good about it and just left the crap stuff. So that's the reason why people are like, oh yes, yeah, too congested, too congested. But it happens every single year. And what will happen is probably they'll get more congested. And then in September, the team that has the most run in their legs and the, who can play on the MCG the most amount of times if they've got the space to exploit it. That's the reason why teams like Richmond and stuff are always going to have a leg up in those areas because the MCG is just wider so you can run better. You know, it's not one of those congested grounds. Yeah. Ian also uh, threw out: Do we uh, do we allow players to rush in at the centre bounce or leave four on four until the ball is cleared of the square, regardless of stoppages? Um, again, that's an interesting one. I don't mind it, but I don't know if that's actually going to necessarily stop um, the problem because I think the problem's more in general play than at a at yeah a around bounce. the ground. Yeah, is that what you think? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely around like stoppages and stuff and it all comes down to like people say, Oh, should penalise players for like dropping the ball or throwing the ball or whatever, but the AFL just wants they want a rolling mall. They don't want the game to stop because as soon as you stop, you know, it delays the telecast and, you know, it pushes it out to like, you know, long games and stuff in terms of that. So it's all to do with all various uh, aspects of the thing. But yeah, I don't know what the solution is to it. I think, I mean, you could try reducing the interchange again and stuff like that. But I just, like I said, I don't think that's going to help. I don't think anything's going to help until you just get better players who are faster and stuff and, you know, stronger. Nah, look, I think the way it is at the moment... Um... You know, with their obsession, their obsession to not have stoppages is probably facilitating players flooding back behind the ball. Uh, Ed on the chat room um, is saying he thinks the game's in solid shape and less interference the better. Nothing wrong with a bit of congestion and plenty of signs will find a way and open up. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, my amateur view is looking at the game. You know, never being such a great player is that. You know, our desire to have a consistent flow of football rather than bounce-ups around the ground means that there's less opportunity for teams to reset forward and behind the ball and therefore, um, you know, you get teams flooding back to try and fill space to then try and cause a turnover and then run the ball down the field. Um, you know, which is sort of like a rugby-style thing because that's, you know, that's where our game more from from rugby so that's yeah. why we're going to see similarities between rugby union especially and, and Aussie rules at times um, but yeah I, but I mean I've never had an issue with the olden days stoppages around the ground because that's part of the game you know 
winning clearances and um, you know and you know some of the great players were able to dominate in that in in clearances and it was a great spectacle of football and if it got congested you know what what used to happen the umpire would would call a free kick you know oh that's ticky touchwood so to speak and and blah blah yeah. win a free and then run off with the ball and uh, yeah and that that facilitated players being in front and behind the ball and I think yeah so. The, SA, uh, the AFL's enemy is also their um, their winning ability, which is bring back the stoppage. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it all comes back to, in my opinion, the desire of the AFL to make it so that any team can beat any team. Right? Like, if you... If they had a thing where it's like, oh, we're going to bring heaps of stoppages and stuff and make it so that the rucks can be dominant, then it's only the teams that have a really great ruckman and there aren't many of those going around anymore because most rucks who can play key are like quasi-forwards as well. Um, mm -hmm. So it basically means that you're going to have one dominant team if you ha if you have to rely on rucks and stoppages and stuff. So they would rather have it so that we're not going to make it so that one team can dominate in this particular area. We'll just roll and have a mall all the way through and limit the amount of influence that one particular team can have over another. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. You know? So that's how I look at it, and that's the reason why they do it. You know, because they would rather have close, close games, and games where teams will think to themselves, "Oh, we're a chance to beat here," because it's all about. I mean, as soon as you do professional games and stuff, it all becomes about like the betting, gambling, and stuff like that. And you know, so they want teams to go, "Oh yeah, now we've got a chance of winning this this game, the sneaky chance of doing this." And like I said before television coverage, all that sort of stuff. I mean, I don't think anyone could look at it and go, oh, yeah, it's, like, really great, fantastic to watch. It can be, but it's just one of those things that because coaches are, like, really defensive-oriented now, mm. they don't want... They're more, in, in, more concerned with stopping a goal than they are with scoring one, mm. you know? So, and that... And that's because it's easier to stop a goal than it is to score one. Correct. You know? Yeah. So the goal the goal that you don't concede is the goal one goal you don't have to score. So you know so the, it's just the latter at the moment, Richmond and West Coast are equal top separated by percentage. GWS with their draw is third. Um, then we've got a cluster of teams, Hawthorne, Adelaide, Port and Sydney on four wins. Um, then we have another cluster as per normal at this time of the year. Uh, North, Geelong, Collingwood, Frio, Melbourne, Gold Coast. Um, they're all uh, they're all on twelve, so you know equal uh, eighth spot. So I guess you know I'd say in the next three to four rounds the ladder will open up a little bit and there'll become some more uh, gaps in the uh, in the ladder. Um, from a Port Adelaide perspective, I guess the next three weeks become fundamentally important. Um, you know, we've got a tough game against West Coast, who are equal top, obviously. Adelaide the following week. Then we have Gold Coast away. Um, if we were, you know, it could be a nightmare if we if we dropped all three games. It, it means we're, we're really chasing our tail to, to get back up the ladder and it's going to cause a break on the, uh, 
on the on the top four, um, you know, which could be a concern for us uh, going deep in the finals. And then we, um, or if we can jag two out of three, uh, I think that really sets a platform for the second half of the season. Uh, how do you see it going, mate? Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I just look at the draw that we've got at the moment, and this. I don't know if you could actually have had a harder nine weeks in terms of if you wanted to um, fixture it and say, okay, if you wanted to get Port Adelaide to having the worst possible um, fitness levels, fatigue, all that sort of stuff, you would play them, you'd get them to go up to Sydney. You'd get them to play Essendon at Etihad. You get them to play North at Etihad, so you'd have two Etihad games. You get them to play um, West Coast away. You know, you get them to play Geelong. So, what I'm going to say is that yes, it would set up our season, set up top four if we won two out of the next three, right? Um, but I do not think it is that. Um, critical well it is critical but it's not um as critical as it could be because we're going to have the easier teams or not easier but the teams that we should be beating like your st kilda's carlton's i'm talking like uh robert walls there but sorry um you know what i mean um so yeah we're getting the teams that we should be having better wins against in the back half of the year and it won't be as hard as the first part of the season is yeah but, that's, but there's no there's no guarantees we were um we were at, we were supposed to to be essendon and potentially geelong and we didn't do that either so um we can't assume anything. yeah yeah that, well that's true that's true yeah uh windy runner records um you know we've got a tough draw because we wanted china and anzac on saturday night uh, which could be the case. Uh, our draw seems a lot tougher than the Crows so far this season, or is it just me? That's from Ian. Um, could be. I think we've made the draw probably a little bit tougher. Um, you know, I mean, really, Essendon for me and Geelong were winnable games, and you know, I don't, we've spoken at nauseam about it, so we don't need to focus on it. But we really let opportunities uh, slip um, in those games, and. I guess, um, well, I think that's the, uh, the interest. Maybe, I don't know what your discussion point was. So we've got Janus on tonight. Uh, so we were going to have a bit of a chat about tactics in the AFL, but, um, for me, you know, it was like day and night watching, uh, you know, this week's game compared to Geelong game the week before, and even the Essendon game the week before that. Uh, what are your observations on the game styles that we've come out with over the last few weeks? Uh, I think it's um, not so much... The game style changes, but it's based on the opposition and what they do. You know, I mean, a lot of people, and this is one of the things that I've noticed when people look at teams, it's always about... I call it the Roger Federer complex where you're always saying, oh, well, it's something that I've done. That's the issue. And um, North Melbourne's not going to be a, as great a defensive team as Geelong is, for example. So it's going to be easier to play the way that we want to play, as other people have said. 
if we've got a team that's going to allow us to do that. But Geelong, I was watching that game from the stands up in um, level two or whatever it was, and just the way they set up behind the ball and their shape and everything like that, that was just like first class. Um, so, and you could tell just by the scoreline at three-quarter time was some ridiculously low score. It was like... It was like watching the 2000 and um, I think it was 2014 when we played Fremantle and it was like a real struggle. And then at the end of the game, um, Jackson Trengove got, went into the ruck on, against Sanderlands and we like won clearances and stuff and then won the game back on the back of that. It kind of like reminded me of that and the fact that our rucks tired out in that Geelong game. So therefore we just didn't, get them any sort of momentum and Geelong could so they scored really quickly and stuff so it was like yeah basically um, I don't you would I think we want to play the way that we want to play against North Melbourne obviously but mm. um, it's all going to be de- um, dependent on what the opposition is going to let us do because that's how I mean there's a saying that um Someone wrote of a football manager in Europe said that everything's complicated by the presence of your un- an opponent, and that's the problem, you know. And we've got to find a way of getting around that opponent or going through them. And sometimes you can go through them, sometimes you can't. So, but do you feel like we played the games same game style against North Melbourne that we tried to implement against Geelong? I think. I think we adapted to what Geelong was doing. So no, it's not the same game style. It's the same game plan, but not the same. But the game style is adaptive to what the opponent throws at us. And because Geelong was such a was rolling back and such a great defensive team, all we could do is move the ball around from side to side to wings and try and get around them basically. And my problem with the whole way we played against Geelong was the fact that we just did that way too slow and it enabled them to get, instead of taking the ball from one side, switching it really quickly and actually exposing them on the weak side of the ground, what we would do is get the ball, hold it up, try and assess options, trying to find something that's not even there, then switch the ball and then switch the ball and take you know, take way too long to, to do it. And it was easy for Geelong to slide across the other side of the ground and, and, um, bottle us up. Now what happened with North Melbourne, exactly the same thing, but we were faster at moving the ball. So therefore it was easier to expose them in that regard. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it makes sense in my head. Well, um, I guess the ri- the risk is for us that um, West Coast is going to come out with a similar game to what North did. Yeah. Um, the trend that we've got so far early in the season now, we're um, we're just over, I guess, a quarter of the way through. It seems very similar to the, the last previous few years where you know we we're able to beat the bottom sides, the weaker sides, um, but our form line um, outside of playing Sydney hasn't been that good. Um, so. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where we go. Uh, but they, that test will start on Wednesday. I guess the stats from the weekend's game, 
Uh, Port Adelaide won the disposals 403 to 345. That would be um, you know, due to our, our kick to handball ratio, what, 217, 186s. Well, it's still around that 60% mark, so but we were using a lot more of the ball around the uh, around the clearance, trying to shuffle it around, and we seem to have a uh, you know a couple of uh, staggered deep set defenders to defensive side of the uh, contest to, to try and shuffle the ball back to if required. Free kick surprisingly were even, which is a miracle for us against North Melbourne. Uh, we still won the clearances, even though we lost the ruck even though I thought Charlie battled on manfully. Uh, we had four more inside 50s, lost the contested possessions by 11. We won the tackles, so work rate was up. Hitouts we lost, obviously. Interchanges we also had less than North Melbourne. Were there any stats from the weekend's round that uh, were of interest to you? Mm, not particularly. Probably the contested possession stat basically shows you that it's all relative depending on what sort of game style is being played. You know, if you're going to play a fast game style, then winning the contested possession isn't going to be much of a difference, but mm-hmm. that's, that's probably about it. Well, that's no fun. So controversial <laughs> corner time. Uh, Rick's call is um, interesting take from Kane Corns in his article. Sam Pepper, Brad Eber, Ollie Wines, Tommy Rockcliffe all can't play in the same Port Adelaide side. I think that's, um, that's really controversial. And, um, yeah, we recruited Tommy Rockcliffe on purpose um, to come into the, our team. Do you think all four can play in the side? I think they can. Yeah. But... But I don't think they can all play in the midfield, obviously. Mm. And I wouldn't play them all as midfielders, like trying to rotate them around. Like we saw on the Anzac Day game when Rockcliffe was in there, people were saying, like, I didn't get a chance to watch it, unfortunately, because I was busy doing other things. But I read the game thread after the game and the review of it, and people were saying that Rockcliffe needs to be under a ruck to do his best work. And I agree with that. He's not the sort of player that you play whatever player position we had him in, in wing, something like that, I believe. Um, but that being... a contingency plan for the potential of Wines maybe leaving? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. No, well, I think... I. I think Rockcliffe um, was being played on a wing to get fitness up, basically. You know, because he hadn't played many games and stuff. We were trying to, like, nurse him through. And I I personally think that's what... What Rockcliffe was doing where he was playing is kind of where we want to play Ebert in that sort of, you know... Because he's got that endurance and stuff, but... But then again, you've got the thing about Ebert being the defensive midfielder of stoppages and stuff. So it's one of those um, six of one, half a dozen of the other type situations where what's more important to you? Is it important to win a clearance? Because Rockcliffe will be better than Ebert at doing that because he's good at 
he was like the number one clearance player in the comp last year when he was actually uninjured, you know? Or is it more important to stop the opposition from getting a clearance, which is what Ebert's really good at, good at doing. So I think yeah. they can swap in that sort of thing. Like you probably start Ebert in the center square at the first bounce or whatever, and then have Rockliffe doing what he's doing now. And then later in the games, you swap them around and start to like take advantage of any sort of the space that opens up later in games with Rockliffe. I do like the idea if we need it. Um, not that we do because we've got Marshall when he's back, Watson, Dixon, but I don't mind Ebert potentially being a, uh, a very mobile centre-half forward, which I think in this modern game could work because he's great overhead. He's a fantastic mark. Um, he, he's a great running shot on goal and a great goal kicker in general, but better than his uh, field play, ironically. Um, so I think he could make that sort of half forward set, small centre half forward position, um, something of real interest to the Port Adelaide footy team. Um, but overall, um, yeah, look, I, yeah, we can't play them all in the midfield at the same time. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out throughout the season. But I'm I'm with you and the other experts. I think I think Rockcliffe has to be underneath Paddy Ryder, and I think. Uh, if he is, I think he'll be quite a, a, a damaging player. So I can't see why him and Ollie Wines can't rotate, for example. and uh, Which wouldn't hurt Ollie Wines because he, the opposition are trying to hammer him week in and week out at the moment. Well, that yeah, exactly. That's the reason why I think this week you'll see Pal Pepper come straight back in. Because Wines is getting beaten up every single week that Sam's not in there. And he's probably... Probably a reason why we lost against Essendon and Geelong as well, because they could target our, that inside midfielder knowing that we didn't have anybody to replace him and stuff. And one of the things I will say is that the last, the first goal of the last quarter of Geelong was kicked when Wines got injured and he was coming off the ground. Now, if you had Pal Pepper in there, that probably wouldn't happen. Mm. So, you know, it's one of those things, but... This is the things we deal with, just like Ryder being injured. I mean, I don't think you've actually seen Port Adelaide play the style that we want to play because I think I've said on the forum, we're basically playing half the system that we want to play. We're playing defensively all the time because we're always going to lose the hitouts and we're always going to, so we're always roving to losing rucks all the time. So it's hard. And, we saw in the 2016 season how hard that is to do. You cannot con consistently sustain that sort of idea through the, the whole entire season because eventually it will just fatigue your midfielders out. It's uh, it's an interesting dilemma that we've got this week, assuming that Paddy Ryder is coming straight back in, which Hinkley intimated. Um, Charlie Dixon, again, was uh, very good as the main ruck um, against uh, North Melbourne and battle manfully against Goldstein. Nick Natanui is a, a different sort of uh, ruckman, but I guess the risk is rushing um, Ryder back for Perth, which the run would be good for him for the Adelaide game the following week. But, you know, are we going to have an underdone ruckman that's a bit rusty against the West Coast Eagles? And is a, a half-fit Paddy Ryder better than a fully-fit Charlie Dixon in the ruck? That's the question. 
Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, uh, nah, the reason being is because, like, Nui, he's only playing, what is it, 50, 60% game time as it is anyway. Yeah. So, so West Coast is nursing him through too. And Port Adelaide has always been pretty conservative with their injury um, rehabilitation. Like, I don't think we're rushing Ryder back or anything like that. I think if he's ready to go, he's actually ready to go. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a case of, oh, we're playing West Coast, we better bring Ryder back because otherwise we'll get smashed. Like, I don't think the selection committee and the fitness staff or anything like that actually... Um, I'm not going to say they don't care about it because they obviously they would like to have Ryder back there if he wasn't available. But if he wasn't ready, they would rather him be okay for the next... How many games have we got? What round are we on? In? We Seven? just finished round six, so... Um... So, yeah. So... Uh... 16, 15 games. Do you know what I mean? Those he'd he'd rather they'd rather him be fit for all those games than rush him back and potentially re-injure it on what is apparently the hardest ground in the AFL for some unknown reason. By the way that they did it, I mean they spent what what was it a billion dollars on this stadium or whatever it was, and they can't get the ground right. That's ridiculous. But anyway, well, it sounds no different to uh, Eddie Hat, isn't it? You know, I guess yeah, uh... but. When you put underground, hey, oh, does, does Optus Stadium have an underground car park? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, I'm pretty sure it does. I, I'm happy to stand being corrected, but I'm pretty sure it has an underground car park. And I guess yeah. uh, you know they can only put so much weight on top of it with soil. Um, you know, so uh, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not an expert. I need to get my friend on who's a, an engineer. He might be able to sort of open up the shed some light on that but he would probably uh, vomit everywhere if he came onto a port show because he's a Woodville West Torrens fan so he wouldn't like that one iota I guess the other um, the other controversial topic was Chad Wingard taking a shot for goal um, with a pulled hamstring um, he wasn't letting that opportunity go he, he must be having a quiet season if he's willing to uh, jeopardise risking his hamstring even more yeah I mean, it's probably one of those things that maybe he he felt it and he goes, oh, you know, I've got a bit of an issue here or something like that, but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be or whatever. I don't particularly know what the scenario is, but I will say that the fact that he took the goal shows that he does actually care about his performance and stuff and he's not... Uh, just doing it for the paycheck or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like there was that bit of a discussion about his attitude and stuff and whether, and I think that shows that his attitude is probably in the right place. He's just having a down, down period. That's all. All righty. So the night of randomness is going to continue. Um, I'm going to uh, dial in. Our, uh, our South American friend um, who also is on Bigfooty and uh, get some special comments uh, from him. So let's see how the randomness goes. 
Oh, just seeing his Skype picture. Handsome devil, isn't he? <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. Like I said, this is random of live Port Fan Radio. So, um, he's calling, but he, uh, I don't know, is he answering? He, uh, hello, are hello? you there? Hi. How are you? Ah, you guys are listening. We are listening. Thanks for joining us on the show. So I'll just I'll introduce you. This, if I say it right, your big footy handle is Gremino Power. Is that right? Uh, Gramio Power. Gramio Power. Yes. All right. I'll get that right. So got what we normally be. do is you've got Jane, big footy poster Janus with us as well. Um, when we get someone new to the show, we, we try to get their Port Adelaide background and history. Very, very random for us to have a, a South American passionate follower like yourself. Um, so do you want to give us a, a, a quick rundown, a couple of minutes um, of how you started following Port? Well, uh, that's uh, that's a funny question because, I'm a, yeah, I, randomness would be the main word here. Um, first of all, I'd like to apologize to, to our listeners. English is not my first language. So, um, at, well, sometimes I, I say things that, mm, that's, that doesn't sound right. So, um, but I'll try to, to speak my best English. You're doing well, mate. Possible. Um, so uh, basically when I was, a uh, so, uh, when I was a kid in the eighties, there was a TV show. I think it, it still exists. It was Gillette World of Sports. And they would show highlights from sports around the world. And there was this funny game that they would show with, uh, in a novel field uh, when uh, players would uh, climb on each other's back and the umpires would wear hats. And uh, there would be uh, four goalposts in, in the, each end of the field. And I, and I thought that was really interesting. And, uh, and, and I discovered that it was a kind of football that they played in Australia, which mm-hmm. is, you know, from us, is kind of the other side of the world, <laughs> literally, right? And, uh, and I thought that was, you know, amazing, but it was before internet, and I, you know, I, I, I let it go. Then, um, 20 years later, my brother, I'm going to spend six months in Australia, surfing, whatever. And um, and I said, okay. Uh, so I have uh, two uh, two demand for you. Uh, bring me uh, a, a Australian football, uh, Australian football, and uh, AFL for PlayStation. And he brought me both. And um, and I would pick Port every single time because of the colors. Um, they are similar to Gremios, and. Because Port Adelaide and, and, and Porto Alegre, which is Grêmio's city, my city, it, uh, the city I was born, have the same initials. So I thought, huh, this is, um, you know, this is just Grêmio from Australia. And um, when I came, uh, so I would, you know, after internet, I would check from time to time and just, oh, let's check AFL. You know, every six months, every year, I would just take a look. And when I came back from Brazil a year ago, I I, I started to read more about it. And I, I when I came back, I found my ball, 
and uh, and then I decided to follow it more, and then I started the the, the big foodie account, and Canucks gave me a uh, his um, watch AFL subscription because he went back to Australia and cannot he cannot use it, and um and and I fell in love with the game and for airline. That's that would be basically it. Mm. That's a great story, and uh, I love the fact that uh, you were listening or watching Gillette Wide World of Sports. I was watching that on my crusty TV in the eighties as well. Um, used to be played on a uh, on a Sunday. Uh, Janus, do you have any questions for our guest? Um. Yes, yes, I do. But um, they're pretty much covered by... Are you going to be asking the questions that people have asked? I, I am going to be in asking the, the big the thread, questions what, shortly. Yeah, I, just, I wanted yeah, to finish well, off that, the game. So I guess yeah. I'll get your guys' views on, on, the, uh, on the players, some of the players themselves. Um, you know, Jared Polek, 34 disposals, having a career-best season again, <laughs> and something for maybe you guys to comment on. Kane Corns is saying sign him to one-year deals because he must uh, like playing on the edge. What do you guys think of that? Do we sign Pollock to one-year deals? And what if he doesn't want a one-year deal? Oh, I think he's he's fine. He Give him whatever he wants, pretty much. Like, um, I don't think he's... I think probably, was it two years ago that someone said that Ken Hinckley sat down with him and basically read him the right act and said, what do you want to be as a player? Like, you can't keep cruising along and stuff. And I think, because last year he played pretty well, I thought. So he's just gone up another level. I think he's just maturing as a player, as players do. And, you know, he's becoming a more consistent player. That's all it is. Yeah. And what do you think, mate? About Pollock? Yeah. He's uh, an interesting uh, player from what I could uh, could see, but I think that the, uh, your question is more, you know, in uh, about the evils that we know and the evils that we don't know. Like, we know what P- Pollock can do and, and cannot do, and... Um, you know, if if we try to replace him, uh, the other player will be different and uh, maybe won't give us um, any advantage over over Pollock. Um, so, sometimes uh, Pollock seems to do some uh, silly mistakes that um, you know uh, a lot of turnovers or getting uh, tackled too soon or playing on when he shouldn't. Uh, but uh, when, um, but for instance, against teams that don't pressure that well, like North Melbourne, he really, you know, uh, he really delivers and 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 gets um, and it's uh, it, and it, it it doesn't give you any less than you would uh, expect from uh, from him. So uh, my, I don't think that we could easily replace him in in short. No, I don't think so. So um, I guess we need to just look at, um, yeah, we just need to look at, is it motivation that's been a factor? Is it been an extended 
uh, time frame he's required to get over his foot injury and get get some confidence. Um, we've also uh, had Ian ask us a question. Our South American friend, what do his fellow countrymen think about our sport? I think most people uh, don't have a clue about it. Now uh, that's uh, that's the problem with uh, Aussie rules. It's still very concentrated in Australia. People here are starting to follow a rugby union. Right. Uh, it's something that uh, from like the past five, ten years, it's been growing in the country. Uh, we can uh, in cable TV, especially, you can see uh, Super 15. You can see uh, the Heineken Cup, uh, rugby championship, uh um, Six Nations, the World Cup, so people are following more. Uh, but from Aussie rules, well, almost nothing. It's uh, uh, it's a shame. I, I prefer Aussie rules than than, than rugby, although um, uh, uh, and league, uh, both league, not a clue around here. So it's basically union and. <clears throat> I think there isn't much. Uh, I think it's probably a uh, Brazil and Australia ha- doesn't have. They don't have a cultural exchange that uh, an important cultural exchange. Then, uh, then basically we we don't have, we don't know you guys. That's that would be the problem. Yeah, look, mm-hmm. there's even in the states. There's a hard. Uh... There's a hard task getting an Aussie Rules presence um, on the TV. I mean, I was flicking the general TV stations yesterday trying to find NBA because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And, um, and yeah, there's so many stations. I mean, so trying to get airtime, and I'm sure South America would be similar. Um, you know, but you know, the, AFL, the AFL just got to keep pushing the content out there. The digital world's a great one now and uh, better to easy to target people to try and get people out there um uh, but boys ed has asked does wingard need to be managed in a slightly different way um perhaps more time off during the year uh to see the family etc um yeah i guess um the difference is i think there's been a higher increase in hamstring inju- injuries during the uh through the afl as a whole let alone port adelaide and I guess that is something that can happen in soccer as well. So um, I think both you boys might be able to share some observations here. A, is it higher than normal? And B, uh, is there a way we could, uh, as a, a league, we need to be looking at our training regime to manage the players better? Janus, do you want to go first? Um, no, I would like to get Romeo's, um observations first. Yeah. about what he he says, and then I'll chime in afterwards with what I think about it. Sure, go for it. Hello? Yeah. No, no, sorry. I'm I'm saying like... Yeah, I know. I was waiting for yeah. Jeremy to, to uh, <laughs> say something. We're all anxious to hear you, Janice. Yeah, but we, yeah. I guess see, Janus is interested to hear you. You must love your beautiful South American accent. <laughs> I'm trying to work on it, but it's really hard to get rid of it. Um, it's uh, so, uh, well, first things on 
not a hamstring issue. I think I, you can see that it's something that is affecting sports wor- worldwide. There's a lot of uh, baseball players with the same issue, or, you know. Um, it's um, in, uh, in in soccer, the legs are actually really important. You can you can see that that it happens. I I uh, I think that. The key is basically what what is uh, and it, they're talking about because Grêmio is playing Sunday and Wednesday all the time. We already played like thirty games this season, and people are saying, "Can the players, um, you know, uh, support this for the entire year?" And um, so they are using uh, tests and all to see if uh, how the body is responding and trying to manage that. So they. Some players take a week off or just uh, 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 play one week and the other. When they get better, they, they play two, three, four games in a row, then they rest again. So they're doing uh, basically rotation, which is uh, something that I'm I'm completely a um, fan of. Uh, we, uh, especially in soccer, that has an off-season that is really, really, really short. It's basically one month and a half. Right, so you need, really need it. Uh, so players don't have a, a window that they can actually rest from one season to the other. So you really need to take uh, care of them during during the season. And, uh, and I'm expecting Port Adelaide to start doing that, uh, rotating. I hope that they do after Dubai. I I I'm not sure if it's good for us to do it right now. Because we're still trying to become a team, we're certainly not a team yet. I, Mian um, is probably can uh, say uh, speak about this better than I do. But it seems that uh, the players are still trying to grasp each other. They don't know where the the other player is, or uh, you know, and to find the right play. Uh, really fast, so well, that's why we're playing slow. That that is because players need to think and look before they play. And when you face teams that defend really well, like Geelong, uh, you're gonna see us getting pressured all the time. So it's uh, it it is it is complicated. But this is we can only be faster by uh, practicing, playing more, doing this. And if you rotate players. You actually missed my practice. Mm. Yes. Janus? I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Like, the cohesion that you're going to get with players playing all together and knowing what, how, like, you hear players all the time, they say, oh, we haven't played together, so I don't know how he's going to lead up to me, what his patterns are, what this does like what does his this signal mean you know what does that signal mean that he's putting out and whatever so and that comes with just being together and i think that's what a lot of people made the comment about chris judd and saying oh you know it's going to take a while for port to gel and stuff and they'll be good next year but not this year um it's probably true i don't think it's going to be as bad as what he said it was but do you know what i mean like it should be going to another level again next year from whatever we get this year in terms of you like you see it with Richmond for example exactly the same sort of thing like last year they were still filling each other out 
in the style that they're playing, but now they're getting into, because they know each other and know how they want to play, they're going out there and they're destroying teams because they just have that cohesion together. But as regards to the hamstrings and stuff, I think it's probably a couple of things. Um, the increased load on players, asking them to do a lot more with, and this was another thing back to the rotation thing, you know, limiting rotations and stuff. It might have been an idea to reduce congestion and things like that, but at the same time, coaches don't do that. Coaches just say, well, if you're going to re- limit rotations and stuff, what we're going to do is just send the players out there for longer so they don't get as much rest. They don't get as much, and because they don't get as much time to rest, they don't get as much time to recover. Um, or the amount of time they need to recover is increased and they don't get that, and therefore they just put the body under more and more stress, and eventually something's going to give. And that's what happens with like hamstrings and stuff, and that's why you look at um, what Adelaide's doing, they've got like, what is it now, seven or eight hamstring injuries, and I'm fir- firmly believing that that comes from the fact that they played in the grand final and they tried to up the tempo and up the, the fitness um, levels again to try and like get over that last hump. And they're starting to get to the point where now nah, the body can only cope with so much. Mm. So that's why they're getting those, those hamstring injuries. So we've had some really interesting the... chat in the chat room, Janus. Uh, Windy runner said, are they hamstring injuries or are players more aware and are pulling up? Uh, Edra also contributed and uh, said hamstrings are a challenge. They're the most common soft tissue injury and have a high tendency to reoccur. Um, Ian and I are, are having a bit of a choke about Channel 7 doesn't exist in our world anymore. And, uh, and then Ed Gibbo brought up some research saying that scarring is perhaps more significant and, and previously thought and that the muscle doesn't recover as suspected. And so you end up with a big ball of scar tissue which uh, resists rapid lengthening. Uh, seen in sprinting and kicking, which, um, yeah, it's sort of out of my sphere of uh, technical uh, um, prowess. But, um, yeah, I think all of that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I just want to go to our normal agree and disagree topic, which is I'll give you my observation on best three players and um, and then you guys can take a pot shot at me and say you agree or um, you can say uh, you disagree. Um, so I had... Thank you very much. I got hand-delivered a coffee during the show. How great is that? Uh, helped keep me awake <laughs> since my 5.30 start. Um, so I have Jared Pollock best on ground with 34 disposals, 12 tackles, one goal, and he was a top-rated uh, champion data player. I had um, Travis Boak, second best. I thought that was his best game for the season. The captain, very influential in the beginning of the game. 29 disposals, five marks, four tackles. And provided a lot of run and carry, and there was a bit of uh, discussion on his uh, on his top end speed. And he it, was he is he as fast as what people thought, or is he slower? And then I had third um, best on ground, uh, Tom Jonas. I thought he did a great job um, marshalling the defensive unit. Um, boys, what do you think? You can tear strips off me. Who have I missed out, or do you agree completely um, with my top three call? No, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like I think in a performance like that, you could probably put a blanket over a whole bunch of players. Like you could mention someone like Westhoff, for example. 
he did pretty well, you know. But it all depends on what sort of what you thought the influence was and what's the best um, area of the ground in terms of why we won the game in that particular manner. But no, I definitely, I'm happy with what you came up with. That's pretty good. Uh, for uh, there are the segment I've listening uh, other times. It's really tough for me for uh, many reasons. One is that I'm. I'm still a rookie for the game, so I'm still uh, concentrating in the forest, not in the trees. So I can. Uh, I'm looking for how the team plays collectively, both teams, and uh, usually I miss who's actually doing the play, you know. Uh, so I can see that I'm recognizing the uh, the the back line, the, the midfield, the forward line, but who actually is there uh, makes me. Uh, harder for me to actually judge the players and the other problem is uh, because of the, the the time of the game which started one o'clock a.m on saturday and i had to to go to the farm that morning i basically watched the first quarter and the highlights so uh, it's going to be hard for me to judge uh the 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 players but uh the fact that uh, the main forward uh of uh north melbourne was uh, har- you know, harmless from the uh, you know for from most of the game. I think it talk say a lot about who was actually on him the the, the entire game. So I think that now Tom Jonas probably uh, deserves the, the the praise. Some of the boys on the chat room are, um, are asking me, what about no Sam Gray who kicked four goals, nineteen possessions. Um, the guy that everyone wants dropped week in, week out. Um, I don't know. I've sort of, I've sort of gone off that theme. I think he's contributing well enough to hold his place. Um, what about Ebert? Good stats, but did he impact the match with them? That's a very good question. And uh, Windy Runner said, "What about Amon?" But I think he, um, I think he's trolling me with a, that one. Um, yeah. Nah, Sam Gray did very well. That's. Yeah, you want that sort of performance from him, but like everyone in the side, he's going to be limited by what happens down the ground in defence. So, and how they're delivering the ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we we seem to have used him well, right? Uh, so Sam Gray is uh, it's not from today, but he is a player that is. Uh, uh, so he's. And I'm I'm not sure if he's really fast as final speed, but he has a good acceleration, so he he's able to move into the open space uh, really well. So he reads where the open space is and, and move, and uh, and we were able to actually reach him with the ball, which is uh, uh, which was uh, good after the the game against Geelong, where we couldn't you know sometimes we couldn't uh, kick the ball to someone that was uh, well, 15 meters away. Uh, so uh, that also contributes for the uh, for some great uh, great game. Uh, I know that in big footy people like to to whip him a lot, but I I actually like him as as far uh, well. I I I'm short, right? I'm 170. Uh, so I, I I like to see the short guys. They're doing well as well. So I have uh, this. So I am biased in favor of the the, the tiny guys. <laughs> 
Yeah, you want to stick up for the, the little ones. But, I mean, Sam Gray's improving year on year, which is all you can ask. Um, and uh, it, I don't think he's going to be dropped in a hurry now. I, I know I think he's really substantiated his position in the side. Me personally, uh, I can see the improvement. I would still like him to improve his... Um, his disposals. He had two poor tone turnovers in the midfield, which resulted in goals early in the first and second quarter. But you know he wasn't alone. Brad Ebert made a few mistakes, which were pretty glaring as well. Um, and I think it's just high pressure football. You can't have a perfect footballer. Everyone's going to make mistakes at times due to fatigue and pressure. Um, so you know we can be a little bit unrealistic as supporters, I guess. But uh, yeah, it just happens. But anyway, so I do have. Some big footy questions um, to point out. You've uh, you put a uh, map on there. Where on earth is what is it? Uriguana? Uh, uh, Uruguayana. I think that would be the best Uruguayana. way to say it. Yes. I guess it's uh, the Uruguay, yeah. right? Uh, it's uh, it's the Uruguay River. Uh, that it, it names the country and it names the city. Uruguayana means off. Uruguay, right? So yeah. it's uh, uh, so it's the city of the Uruguay River. So it's uh, I can I can see it's in the border with Argentina. I can see Argentina from my window, so the view is not that great, but uh, we can we can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, um, it's uh, so the, uh, the border with Uruguay is something uh, something like eighty kilom- eighty kilometers south. So it's uh, it's it's uh, it's a tri-country border here. We are uh, it, it's uh, it, it's nice the location because uh, Uruguay is a long island surrounded by land for all sides. Uh, so the the this, the next cities are 100 kilometers away from here, uh, but we are in the same distance from Buenos Aires, Montevideo, Porto Alegre, Asuncion, Iguazu Falls. Uh, it's it's 600 kilometers. It's almost like Adelaide to Melbourne, but uh, it's um, and if you don't mind driving that much, it mm. it really uh, it it's nice to to uh, pick a holiday and go with the family to all those uh, all those cities. It's but um, uh, the location is is quite is is quite nice. Awesome. Now, we're almost out of time, so I'll ask one question from the Big Footy, and maybe you and uh, Janus can answer Russell Ebert Hamble's questions after the program. Um, Indit Stainer asked a good question. Are we better off playing our best 22 or play the best players available for specific positions? And that will be our final quick discussion topic for the night. Janus, what do you think? Uh, The second one. Play the, the best, best players the... available for the positions? Yeah, you can't... Playing the best 22 available isn't conducive to actually producing a team. That's like an all-star team type thing. It just doesn't work. You need mm. to... For certain positions, you've got to play those particular... The right players. But that being said, um, you cannot... There's got to be a... Um, how can I put it? A standard, a standard by which those players are measured against. Like they've all got to be, 
be fit enough to play and you know be able to understand the game plan and all that sort of thing but in terms of skill level and talent and things like that then you want to play the positions rather yep. than just the best 22 available it's it's a it, it's a uh, it's a weird question because the best 22 would be the best players that may that the, the, the players that make us the, the, a better team the best team we can possibly be if uh, those would be the the, the, the best 22 uh, otherwise what what is the 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 uh, the uh, your uh, your standard for picking them you're gonna pick the best uh, the, 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 the the players that have the best pressure or the best kickers or the best disposals or uh, you see uh, you, you need different players there with different talents there. Uh, what is the standard to say? Oh no, these are the our best twenty-two. But best twenty-two for what? It's the uh, it's the best twenty-two uh, that make us the strongest uh, squad that we can that we can have on the field. That is correct. I agree with everything you said, um, boys. It's time. I've got to get ready to go. I have to leave this place in an hour. I'm off to Fort Lauderdale, so. I, I, I just you want both to coming on and can, um, I, so... can, I, can I make a final remark? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I just want to say that one thing that I um, that uh, when I entered in in Big Foodie, right, Yanos had this uh, this uh, his uh, image there is that oh he's crazy he's talking uh, nonsense things he's always praising the team and talking about total football and all and I start reading his post and I said oh. Wait a minute, but this makes sense. It's uh, one thing that I, I, I've been learning uh, uh, football, uh, Aussie rules football, is reading Dana's uh, after the games and then checking uh, the game again and say, oh, yeah, now I can see what is going on. So it's uh, it was fitting to be here with him because uh, he, he is one of the the, uh, the teachers that I, that, I, uh, that I took to learn the game. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. You don't need to agree with everything. He's optimistic beyond beyond reason. But if you take that down, it uh, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There's just going to feel more posts for the big, big footy fire. I don't know if the big footy fans are going to like that one. Uh, guys, I really appreciate your time. Sorry we couldn't chat for another half an hour. I'm sure we could easily. Um, thank you for everyone that's listened in, uh, your contribution. Thank you to everyone that listens to the podcast. And thank you to Bevan and Cameron for coming on early and, and creating a new content show. Really loved it, appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you all on Thursday to do the, uh, the preview of the Port West Coast game, which should be a cracker. Boys, have a great one. Uh, you too. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. Safe okay. travels. See you later. See ya. Have a nice week. Oh, oh what a handball from. Could be a Ready. catastrophic error. And Wingard can make it really, really sting. It's there. Wingard from the dead pocket.